I think are are we uh, are we doing the outtakes now and we don't know it yet? Saturday Omaha. Eat this. <laughs> I think a centrifuge would be the greatest gravy separator ever. It'd work a lot better than my OXO one I have over in the kitchen. I mean, that would be epic. I bet Alton Brown has a mini one that he made. I I feel like this is the case, like out of a drill motor and some sort of model merry-go-round. It's got little tiny horses that go up and down while they separate the gravy. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I started building a mental image of this. Uh, we we should probably, after all this intro setup, etc., talk about some food of which uh, we did get uh, today, and we we should continue these food discussions and take the fatter day train forward and uh, the fatter day train today went to la poblanita uh, la poblanita is located at 2322 south 20th street in omaha nebraska and and tj i was thinking do we need to retire the zip code is the zip code readback craziness just just has it gone on too long well, I mean, we do have a fairly, you know, food is a universal topic, really. So we have a fairly diverse uh, group of individuals listening, and some of them may be of a certain age, and the zip code readback excitement may be a bit much for some listeners. Oh. But I think that, uh, you know, variety and various types of excitement are the spice of life. Yeah. And really, if you're not doing the zip code read back, are you really living? All right. Wow. Wow. That was unexpected because I, I know of all the uh, zip code proponents, you haven't always been on that side of the zip code aisle. So, oh, okay. Okay. I, I mean, well, you know, s- sometimes it's just a little spicy for me. That's all I'm saying, David. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'm looking for a more chill podcast, but. In these times, you know, everybody's kind of kind of staying home or doing a little bit less. I think we need a little excitement in our lives. Dave, give me that zip code. All right. Uh, giving it to you in 1980s robot style today, which is a new one. It's 68108. That's right. 68108. That's right. There it was. There's the zip code in 1980s uh, robot style. What, what do you think? Decent? Okay. I mean, it's. I I think we can. I think you can work with that. Yeah, okay. We're, we're okay. doing okay. All right. Sounds good. So so, I I I was I was uh, both, uh, you know, interested and uh, and titillated. Oh. As one would hope to be by a zip code readback. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, thank you for you know, keeping the zip code alive and and bringing it uh, to the people with the with that then. We've uh, we've been Let's to. Let's talk about some food. La Poblanita is a, it's a it's a cute little spot. Uh, looks like what was possibly a house converted into a restaurant, and has a Poblanita on the front. Now, well, we did speak to uh, the. Uh, I got it that he he was the owner with his his mom is is that the that the case I, I'm I'm not sure how mom is involved. The, the conversation was kind of a blur. Yeah, the um, mom I think was involved in the food uh, essence for sure, but I do know that uh, Indalecio is the owner of the restaurant, and I believe 
either primary chef uh, or maybe co-chef with mom. So yeah, and uh, we got a lot of information from him, and uh, I'd actually like to go over almost all of it again so I can retain a little bit better. However, uh, while I I do want to side with him in many things, the... uh, I, I believe he referred to uh, Puebla as the uh... official from the man himself from Indalecio, because uh, it says David, etc. Mole is one of our specialties. It comes from our beautiful state in Mexico called Puebla. That's where it in- originated from, and ours is sweet. People make it spicy, so it added flavor. We don't need to do that. The dish comes with rice and beans and four homemade tortillas. All right. Once again, from the man himself. And that's, if if Wikipedia is any judge, and at least 10% of the time it is, there seems to be some contention on who is more mole, <laughs> uh, Puebla or Oaxaca. Oaxaca being a pretty large area and uh, known, since I'm assuming we're back on track and using this in the actual podcast, known as the land of seven moles. Are you saying... But none of those seven moles are exactly the same as Puebla, which means... Yes? Are they the... The Poblano eighth, Mole. It's the eighth, eighth mole, mole of the world. Wow. That is, that is which awesome. Which may also be the, the first mole. Um you know, I I suspect this might be like you know uh, pizza or certain other food items around here, or maybe maybe where the Reuben was first made, where uh, <laughs> if you if you get it wrong, them's fighting words. So I have some concerns there, but I also don't want to leave anybody out. It's it's very notable that uh, there's a whole lot of different kinds of mole. Mole apparently is an archaic word in Spanish for mix or mix of things, but uh, in anything even remotely modern, it's pretty much always referring to the dish. So it, it can be an awful lot of things. We got seven in Oaxaca. We got a very specific style from Puebla, which is the one that we had today. But boy, mole, it's interesting regardless. It, it is uh, very deep in flavor, uh, regardless of style of, of the moles I've had. I don't. I've never had a boring mole, or I've been really lucky each time. But I, I just think that's the way it is. But here's the thing, Teach. So if there's a throwdown between Oaxaca and Puebla and moles, so you've got Oaxacas bring in seven I- moles to the front lines. Doesn't that say that Puebla has some pretty big huevos to only bring one mole to the battle? I think it does indeed at least bespeak a great deal of faith in that one mole. Indeed. If you're only bringing one mole against seven, it had better be something uh, something pretty impressive. I now want to see a wonderful movie called The Eighth Mole, and I just, it would have to be epic. It would just have to be epic. No question. No question. Is it a new take on the Seven Samurai? I, I don't know. I don't know. But this w- it would be a delicious movie, and uh, it would have to be served at like the Alamo so they could bring really delicious food uh, catered in, uh, possibly from La Poblanita uh, in there. So we we better continue on to, to actual food, although this is the best mole intro I'm going to say of any podcast in Omaha. This- this is 
actual food. We're talking about mole. We're talking about different types. We're talking about short-faced mole, star-nosed mole, hairy-tailed mole, blind mole, Japanese shrew mole, Townsend's mole. Have you you been reading this wrong the whole time? Oh, I'm sorry. Those might be moles. You weren't talking about the savory, delicious sauce with chocolate undertones and possibly, you know, 3,000 different spices mixed in. Oh, boy. I suppose it depends on what the mole's been eating. Oh, my. We we better continue on with some food, like actual talk about the things that we got. But mole was indeed one of them. Teach, you know, quite often we, we kind of start with the smaller things. We kind of lead up. Let's just start with the mole today. Since we talked about some mole, let's talk about some mole. So the chicken mole, a sauce, it says medium spicy on the menu. I would say that it was fairly mild with maximum flavor. It is served over, in my case, a chicken leg and chicken thigh. So you've got some good dark meaty goodness under there. Slathered in this mole, delicious mole, topped with some sesame seeds, which you can see a picture on our social media. Follow us at Fatterday Omaha, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And it's served with beans and rice and some delicious corn tortillas, which, if you want to, you can take that chicken off the bone and you can make yourself a little tiny mole taco with some chicken, which is very delicious. I found this super tasty. It was the thing that I was really looking forward to getting here, especially because it is unique to this restaurant because it is their style of mole. The chicken was excellent. It was not dry in any way. It fell off the bone. I think the only thing holding it there was the chicken skin was kind of keeping it there. But other than that, it just came right off. I, I brought a, a metal utensil. I don't know if I needed one. Yeah, I'm going to say that... Uh... It's very notable, the overall texture of the chicken, not just that it had a good, you know, moisture content, that it was tender and, and generally tasty, but there are, there are a lot of types of chicken running around. There's a certain amount of, you know, even if you're buying just raw chicken from a market somewhere, there can be a certain amount of additives or whatever in them, so you can kind of cheat to get a a tender and moist chicken by having some amount of, you know, water or salt solution or whatever added. It is very notable that wherever this chicken came from, whatever their supplier, um, it tastes like chicken. It has the right texture to be proper chicken. It's not that things were added to make it moist and delicious. It's that it was cooked properly in the first place. And that's we're talking about the complexity of the mole, and I will let you, since you're kind of taking the lead on this uh, this particular dish, I will let you get back to it uh, when when we get to this part. But we're talking a lot about like the complexity of the mole sauce. It's very notable that the uh, the base ingredients involved, and I'm gonna gonna mention this with the rice when we get to that point as well. But the base ingredients involved are treated well. The individual components, whether it be in the sauce or in the overall dish, come through. You're not just taking something that was decent or okay or, you know, and then slathering it with this tasty sauce to make it good. Everything from the ground up is good, and and I did notice that in the preparation. I think of pretty much everything. 
That's awesome. That's a that's a great added detail. I have no complaints. This totally delivered what I wanted. This was my savory, deep, fatterday level satisfactory dish that I wanted to uh, warm my heart and uh, satisfy el estomago today um, as I was eating. It came with beans and rice. Uh, the beans were a smooth bean production with a nice little cheese topper. And the rice, uh, good Mexican Spanish rice, uh, individual grains, uh, not sticky, not overly wet. They were good sides. I enjoy the tortillas. The tortillas came wrapped together in foil. They were uh, just nice. You could eat them by themselves. They had a good toothsome chew to them. You could dunk them in the mole. Uh, because we were eating outside and uh, we are doing the car dining maneuver, I didn't use the TV tray today. I uh, actually ripped off a couple of pieces of the tortilla and just kind of threw them in with my mole so I could get a fork of mole with tortilla together. That was a good move too. So many different ways to eat and so many different ways to enjoy. Indeed. Uh, if I may come through... I think your summary is excellent and definitely uh, encapsulates well. In uh, if, if I was looking for a, a singular review that I could kind of know what I was getting, that does a good job. But as I am wont to do, I'm going to come through here and pick it apart in needless detail. <laughs> uh, we've already kind of done that with the chicken. The mole itself, I saw the picture of this on Facebook. I saw their post. And I've gotten, I don't remember, did you get more than one entree on this one? I did. I got two entrees today, and it was... Okay, so we, yeah, we, we both did that thing, which I'm kind of trying not to do, but I wanted a, a specific entree, but I also saw this thing, and it looked like, in, in addition to being kind of their specialty, it looked... A certain way to me, I had a certain thing that I wanted it to be, and you already addressed this, that you wanted it to be a certain way, and it came out that way. Yep. I agree emphatically, emphatically even, <laughs> and wholeheartedly, which may, anyway, I, I agree very strongly with that. It was what I wanted it to be. I looked at the picture. I wanted a certain level of savory, a certain level of comfort food and warmth, and it was definitely that. It was this pretty mostly reddish brown. It is a red mole color, and it had the, the sesame seeds sprinkled on top. It looked very nice. The presentation was very nice, and... Digging into it, in addition to the, the moisture content and general tastiness of the chicken, it was also a very, as you would expect for mole, a complex sauce, but a, a nice, velvety, warm texture. This was a very smooth sauce. And it I was. do like like my, my black mole, my, my mole negro, to be a little bit gritty. I like that in that style of mole. In this one... That smooth, velvety texture over that tender chicken worked extremely well. You, and it had that, it had the savory, it had a little tiny bit of heat just on the back end, and it had that comfort food 
goodness that I am often looking for when I go for Mexican. I really dig that. You, you know where this kind of hits a good note is if you were to draw a textural and satisfactorial line over to an Indian curry. Something where, you know, cashews are blended in the sauce so it gets this you know, kind of thick goodness in there. It's got a ton of flavor. That's the type of satisfaction I think I get from mole. And, you know, if you <laughs> if you had chunks of chicken in a bowl full of this sauce and a side of rice, I bet you could serve it, you know, at least close to an Indian restaurant and make some folks that were looking for that type of dish pretty happy. And then you could go serve this, of course, in a Mexican restaurant and make people real happy because it's delicious. Indeed. Well, I think I caught a little bit of possibly cinnamon and clove. I always have trouble picking apart moles. Man, I really do. I don't know if you can. Didn't he say there's like 3,000 ingredients? It was something crazy, you know, a large There, there might as... Yeah, there might as well have been. I've looked into making my own, which they do. I think that's... I almost forgot to note this until you said that. They do make theirs from scratch, and I think he said at least three dozen ingredients... The stuff going into any mole, really, but this one seemingly in particular is just crazy what they're putting together. Yeah, and to put a ton of ingredients like that and just have it be complex, even, balanced, and delicious and not have it be just a crazy pile of stuff. Because, I mean, you could, you know, you take three dozen ingredients and throw them in a bowl and okay, but you got to be able to turn those sliders up and down until it comes out like a symphony, and that's what happened on the chicken. Ooh. Ooh, look at you go. I, I will take that metaphor and uh, and let it be the one we're using. That's that's lovely. So was the so, mole. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I agree with the, the curry analogy. I wanted to be kind of careful there because it's, it's very definitely from a different region of the world. Oh, yeah. But it also hits the same... The same happiness spot. It really does. Indeed. Well, yes, yes. And, and you know, you could probably draw, well, I think you can draw uh, Padma Lakshmi uh, on Top Chef. Uh, on Actually, I think in an interview with Francis Lamb on the Splendid Table, wow, this is drawing a lot of parallels together, said something about that Southern Indian spices and uh, Mexican cuisine uh, have some parallels, but that's a whole other thing. So besides the mole, uh, Teej, did you want to remark on the rice and beans any further than I did, and or the mole, before we move on to yet another dish. I did a little bit. Uh, gosh golly gee, Dave, I think I can't do much more on the mole. I think uh, a beautiful symphony sums it up so nicely, that that velvety, spicy, interesting mm. goodness. Uh, on the rice and beans, the beans themselves were simultaneously very flavorful, and somehow kind of clean. There was something about them that was that was almost light, but I'm also yeah. aware that I think there was there would have been a little bit of stock or something in there. I know generally a, a refried bean type recipe usually includes some sort of stock or broth. What exactly they put in there, I don't know, but it had enough flavor that on its own it's interesting, but also clean enough to almost be a palate cleanser. They were just... They were nice. They were pleasant. They were just exactly flavorful enough to make me happy. And boy, oh boy, did they not skimp on the cheese. There was a generous uh, topping of that there on both of, my, uh, both of my sides of beans. 
the rice is of particular interest in that the overall, you know, tomatoey spicy coating that one gets on the Spanish rice, Mexican rice type of thing was fairly standard. It was good. It was a good example of itself. It's what I want when I order that thing. It wasn't particularly standout on its own, but two things. One, while I've come to like it because some places can do it reasonably well, I am not a big fan of the peas, carrots, corn oh, sure. uh, additions, which this was just the rice yes. with the coating, which that makes me happy. That's my favorite way to have it. But also noticeable is the grain flavor. I don't know if it was like a risotto preparation where you toast the rice before you cook it or what happened to bring that out, but there was a little, it's going too far to say wheaty, but there was a definite kind of grain, slightly malted taste to it. The rice beneath the Mexican rice, Spanish rice coating flavor seemed to have a flavor on its own. Oh. And there again is is the reason I wanted to bring that up with the rice is the base thing tastes like itself and was done well. The the individual ingredients are not ignored just because you're throwing some spices on top of them. Uh, from From the ground up, it's done right. And I don't know if it's the type of rice chosen or if it's the preparation or maybe there's something else in the the coat, the sauce, whatever you want to call it, on the rice that evokes that flavor. But there's a, a, a heartiness to it, a grain flavor to it that I really liked. Again, good on its own and correct from the ground up. It was a really nice example of itself. It's not... Normally, it's either you know, a, a fairly standard or substandard uh, type of red coating, spice mix, sauce, whatever, and does it have the extra vegetables in there? That's that's usually my summary for rice. This was just a little bit extra, and I appreciated that. That's awesome. Well, cool. Anything else you'd like to say about that dish before I move on to the appetizer, which is weird because I usually start with appetizers? No, but... Just to get this one out of the way, the salad. Did, did yours come with one of the salads? It did not. So there's a lot of things that just say come with salad, and usually what that means is we've thrown some lettuce and tomato on top. This is kind of the same idea, but especially for takeout like this, where you might be warming it up later, it's so nice not to have the lettuce mixed in. So this came as a separate uh, kind of a chopped salad preparation on the lettuce with Three or four, I can't remember now. Nice little slices of avocado and two decent-sized, fairly ripe tomato slices on it. In terms of the additional salad that one ten, tends to get with things like enchiladas, which is what this came with, or a number of, uh, of Mexican dishes, where it, it seems like either an afterthought or it's covering the whole thing, but it's usually just kind of there. This was something in and of itself, and those individual slices where you can actually get the flavor of things and where the lettuce is separate so it's crisp and cool. I appreciated that. And I wound up, I had asked for uh, sides of salsa verde or better day to uh, throw on top of whatever because she asked if I would like red or green sauce with that. 
and that made for kind of a nice little dressing with that. I'm I'm not sure if that's intended, but boy, was it tasty. That was this thing normally an afterthought or even an annoyance was a nice addition. Again, there's there's a lot of thought put in here. So I have finally gotten my sides out of the way. Dave, yes, please tell me about your other dish. Well, the uh, chips and guac, I got that. And the chips and guac are limited in that uh, we were talking uh, to Chef, and he said that uh, I, and this is what I like, and, and we could talk a little bit about this at the, during the wrap-up time, but if the avocados are good, you get guac from his restaurant. If the avocados aren't good, Guess what? He's not making you guac because he doesn't want to serve you bad avocado or not up to his standard avocado. So I appreciate that a lot. The guac was nice and green, smooth with a little bit of uh, chopped tomato. I believe I detect a little chopped onion in there. Not not a lot, just a little. The chips were delicious and uh, were salted well, which I like. You could just eat the chips by themselves or enjoy them with this guac. I will point out that the guac is like two fifty, and the chips are a buck. So you get chips and guac for three fifty. dollars uh, Yeah, like why wouldn't you? So there you go. That was the the, the chips and guac. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I will take you over to my second dish, which was a huarache uh, with asada. And uh, I do believe huarache uh, basically means sandal. Uh, so if you look at it, it's a thicker corn tortilla as described on the menu, but in the shape of the bottom of a sandal. So elongated oval. Um, this comes with your choice of meat. So they have asada, uh, pastor, pollo, chorizo, um, and it comes with lettuce, lettuce beans, and a drizzle of sour cream on top. I actually forgot to tell them no sour cream. It actually worked out okay today, which is which is kind of good. You know, if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, you know I'm not a sour cream fan. I, I kind of scraped the lettuce and sour cream to the side a little bit, and I went right after the thicker tortilla along with the asada, and the asada was delicious. Sometimes when I get asada, I'm like, you know, it's steak. I, I love steak, okay. But this was more of a thinner slice, smaller slice or dice. More like a Philly meat's too thin. It's thicker than that. But more like a, a smaller dice versus a cube. So it had a really nice soft texture to it and was fantastic. And there's a lot, man. My sandal was covered in asada, and it was super tasty. The tortilla being thicker, a nice chew, just tasty. And the uh, the lettuce and uh, sour cream mixture that I kind of pushed to the side, it all kind of got mixed together towards the end of the box, and I kind of ate almost all of it. It just kind of worked out. It all just kind of mixed together, and maybe because I wasn't getting a big concentrated dollop of sour cream and it turned into kind of a sauce with the asada and everything else. It was good. It was real good. I liked it. This was actually my first one. You and I a long time ago had uh, eaten at, uh, I think it's uh, Casa de Horace uh, over off of uh, Q Street. Funny enough, we did not order the namesake at the restaurant at that time. So I think this is my very first one. When La Poblanita happens again, this may have to happen again as well. It was delicious, and I really enjoyed that asada. 
Indeed. I was very curious about that. I have ordered, and I I will butcher it so bad, I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, I have ordered one of those delicious sandals. And uh, I, I've gotten it from the house thereof over on Q Street, which they have some good stuff there. I actually like, say, their enchiladas and stuff better than their, their huarachas. That said, I was very curious as to how... Uh, La Pablonita would would stand up, and I may have to try them there as well. Uh, in fairness to the House of Sandals, uh, I I did order that one uh, when I was under quarantine, so it was a a lockdown DoorDash delivered type deal. So it probably sat in that uh, container for a lot longer than it would have. They they probably deserve a proper revisit. But that said, I'm gonna have to order one here. Because that sounds a delicious. I am I am curious on the you say sour cream and I I think I agree. We may have to ask because it had the the slightly more mild uh, crema kind of flavor to it. Yeah, and if it, you, it was not a real strong sour cream, yes, it, but it was thick like sour cream. So I really wasn't sure which one I was getting, and that that may have been why it worked for you is the the milder crema flavor, which is, I think, a bit more palatable. And, and that may be the case, because if you read the section of the menu that's in Spanish, it does say crema. And if you look at the English section, it says sour cream. So yeah, a crema, if you're thinking that might be a little less of a uh, sour, sharp punch, maybe that's it, is that this was a smoother, milder tasting, and maybe that's why I liked it. So yeah, I also got myself a little bit of crema, which I think we will... Stick with that description of it. Again, a little on the thick side for crema, but I think the flavor was much closer to that than it was to sour cream. And it played real nice with the things that it was on. In my case, I got the enchiladas roja. Uh, Thank goodness, because that was the other thing I was thinking about. I was like, enchiladas, and then they've got this rib thing, and I'm like, ugh, so I'm glad you got these, so, so tell me about them. Yeah, I was hard-pressed to decide between the ribs and the enchiladas. I'm going to have to try the ribs some other time because they look pretty good, too. But, yeah, I am a big fan of enchiladas in general, and the current trend in street-type tacos means that at many places where I'm getting Mexican-ish or Mexican fare, I am deprived of one of my favorite foods, the enchilada. So I was hoping for, and am always hoping for, a a larger size enchilada that kind of has that comfort food kind of thing going for it. And uh, maybe I should be searching in Tex-Mex to get it in general, but usually I want ground beef. I don't know why. It's just the kind of enchilada that I like. Uh, these are offered in ground beef or chicken. Uh, I requested ground beef. Alas, they were out of ground beef. However, they did have carne asada. So, oh no, I had to have steak instead of ground beef. What a terrible thing. (laughs) So these were, in fact, carne asada enchiladas roja. And Can can we just uh, say that for the purposes of good radio and podcasting, that carne asada enchilada rolls off the tongue much better? Yeah. Carne asada enchilada does indeed roll off the tongue and, uh, you know, past the teeth and, and over the gums and look out stomach. <laughs> Here it comes. It goes in that direction pretty well as well. 
So I have my carne asada enchilada, and it comes out with a, a nice little... I, I hate to uh, evoke a sweet image, because that, that may slightly, slightly bias the mental image of the flavor profile here, but it came out with that nice kind of squiggle of crema on it, as <laughs> though one were dressing a toaster strudel. Oh, yes, that is how my horace came as well. Yeah, very... Again, very pretty presentation. There, there seems to be a lot of care taken here with, with everything. You know, the first bite is with the eyes, and, and they did a good job on that. And that very, very nice-looking kind of deep red sauce involved. Uh, three, I would say, medium-size enchiladas. They are a corn shell, which, uh, as you pointed out, their corn tortillas are particularly good. I would guess perhaps a white corn and... Very clean, slightly grainy, but richer flavor. Not too strong. Often corn does not play nice with whatever it's with. It's very assertive. This was not. It was just kind of a nice, gentle corn texture. It was a little bit softer. So the, again, I I suppose the enchiladas I'm looking for are technically closer to Tex-Mex because I like a flower shell on my enchilada. I really do. This still managed to hit the spot. They were big for corn, small for flour, somewhere in the middle, decent size set of uh, three enchiladas. Uh, the uh, the first bite, uh, you, you kind of get a hint of that tortilla, but again, it's not too assertive. You start getting into it. You get that crema first. You get a little bit of the sauce, and this is... We've gotten to the point where I am so enamored of uh, our Omaha food scene, and I really want to like things, and we've met a lot of good people, so I'm, I'm generally positive. So TJ is currently actively looking for the negatives because I want to be as unbiased as I know how to be. So here is where this comes from. The enchilada sauce was decent. However, it got kind of overwhelmed by the other ingredients. I think I might have wanted a little bit more of it, or I would like to try it on its own to give a really strong opinion. It gave a little bit of the flavor of, you know, chiles and maybe tomato. I I would assume it wasn't very assertive in the tomato category. It was definitely definitely more noticeable in the, uh, the chili end of things, but not strongly spicy. Uh, a lot of what I got out of it, honestly, was salt. It was still flavorful, and it was good, but uh, it was not—it was not as much the star of the show as I generally like it to be on enchiladas. I was happy it was there. I will say that much. However, the overall enchilada experience—the sauce was kind of brought down by this, but the comfort food factor was turned up by the fact that, oh boy. Was there a lot of cheese involved? Um, nice, you know, traditional white cheese. I couldn't tell you what it was. Had a nice texture and a little bit of pull to it all around my uh, my seasoned carne asada. It was almost more of a cheese enchilada than it was anything else, but I'm not mad at that. Uh, well, I have registered my uh, my complaints about the sauce, it did marry in fairly nicely. It just wasn't as assertive as I would have liked, but the overall experience was good. It was comfort foodie. It was delicious. It was cheesy. 
I was made happy by these. Cool. Did you get any other entrees or items to discuss this evening? Nope. I believe I have shot my bolt on uh, the actual food itself, and I believe you are in the same boat, correct? Are we on to the hook? And the hint. I, I think we are. I, I did get a chorizo taco, but I think I need a better... What? Yeah, I might have got a, another thing because I wanted a taco. So I got, I got one. Um, street taco format. The tacos are available uh, depending on which, uh, which meats are going on that day. But uh, you can get them with asada, pastor, pollo... Uh, cachete, which is uh, beef cheek, uh, chorizo, and uh, carne molida, the, the ground beef, which I, I believe you said they were uh, out of today. But again, that's okay. If we're, we're okay with running out of good things, that means they're they're good. That's that's fine. The uh, So yeah, the chorizo, not super duper spicy, not super duper greasy, which are both okay with me. Plenty of it inside of this taco. I, I'm going to leave it at that. I need, you know, I, usually I would get a different cross-section of tacos. I just kind of wanted a taco because I was getting everything else. Yeah, I, I have this problem consistently with street tacos where, and these are, if I remember right, they're two bucks. Yeah, they're they're priced about yes, right. Yeah, they're pri- at standard street taco price. Uh, maybe at, even at the lower end, I think $2 is just fine. With that, then, let us let us indeed get over to the wrap-up on this Saturday morsel, which includes the hook and the hint. In this case, for La Poblanita Mexican Restaurant, located at 2322 South 20th Street in Omaha, Nebraska, is where you can find them. A little bit south of uh, 20th and Martha, and just a hop, skip, and a jump off the 24th Street exit, or the 13th Street exit on I-80, depending on where you are, is where you can find them. Teach the hook. So... We have the eighth mole located at this restaurant. Or possibly the first mole. Or possibly I, the first mole. I really Indeed. don't want to run afoul of one of these food fights. You you know how, again, we've discussed pizza. I, I, it can be dangerous. In, indeed. If the uh, seven uh, Oaxacan moles, you know, step up and, uh, you know, this eighth mole or first mole, depending on which uh, orderance you want to go with, I, I don't want to be in that... Wait, no, I totally want to be exactly in that battle because the fallout would be delicious. But I think that's part of the hook is you have something from uh, the the owner's, you know, home area bringing here for you, you know, his, his family's area. I'm not sure if, if he was born there, but his family's lineage is coming to you in this dish, and this dish is delish. So that's that's gonna be gonna be the hook and the uh, the asada. I would say the asada is pretty unique. It is delicious and a little bit different. And and I think you might be able to pick out this asada amongst other asadas and be like, you know what, this is delicious. TJ, what you got? I think the hook for me is overall preparation, the the balance of things, and again from the ground up. That mole has so much going on, but I still notice the chicken that's tender and tastes like chicken. Every, every ingredient seems to be well handled and balanced, and that's kind of a unique thing. As you say, cuisine from their region, 
a, a specific region which you don't always get. And that's it's it's very much its own thing. It's it's in their blood as as it was or how how did he put it uh, in in his heart, a part of his soul? It was something poetic along them lines. Yeah, he said it real good. He, he well well said and uh, very very serious about uh, about doing something that is good and right, and I think it it shows up the care and preparation. I think is the uh, the overall hook for me here. The hint is uh, is kind of what I almost made the hook. It's that mole. There's any number of good things to order on this menu, but really the first time, I think you should get the mole. I think you would be very hard pressed to be sad. There's there's something for everybody in the sauce alone, and it's it's very approachable if you're someone who doesn't like a lot of spice. But if you do, there's a little bit there for you, and it's it's gonna be over something good. There's there's so much interesting going on there. My hint is definitely first time round, get you some mole. All right, my my hint is gonna be I hope you go with two people, and I hope you get the mole like TJ said, and then you get the horache. I believe that I may have stumbled upon the thing that if I went for the first time again, which I can't do because it would be my second time, but if I was going to go for my first time again, I don't know if I'd change anything. I had such a good combo of the savory, smooth, softer textures with the, the chicken and mole and beans, and then the toothsome domination of a thicker huarache with asada on top of it. I had a good textural difference. I had a good flavor difference. That was fun. Uh, bonus here. I think I'm, I'm going to guess you could probably pick just about anything. It's going to be good. TJ says dartboard menu. Uh, I've only been here once, but uh, it's trending that way. The other bonus thing is take a look at the prices, man. They are priced really awesome. That chicken was like $10.99. That's a deal, because mole is a heck of a preparation. The uh, horache was like $7.99. It was huge. It took up the whole container. The street tacos are 2 bucks, so they're, they're on the nice low end of the scale. The chips and guac. By the time I got chips and guac, it was $3.50. And there was a lot of guac in there. So what a deal. What a deal. That that is a fine point. I definitely came out on the lower end of the uh the fatter day lunch cost scale and I was very, very full and very, very satisfied. That that is a a solid point you have there. The pricing is excellent. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I know we're about to head out the door here on this podcast, but you bring up a point that I, I will weigh in on. I was full. I did not eat everything in the box there was still i believe i had some tortilla left a little bit of beans you know i could continue packing food in there i didn't run out i was plenty happy with the amount of food that was in for everything so delicious stuff teach i'm i'm really glad we went here uh out in Saturday land i hope you go here please tell um the the owner um indalesio you know Tell them that Fatterday Omaha sent you, and 
Hopefully you will enjoy. I'm not going to say hopefully. You're going to enjoy your food. Go to La Poblanita over on 20th Street. Enjoy it. And with that, Tej, I'm Dave. I'm TJ. And uh, this has been Saturday Omaha. Please uh, like us, share us with somebody who's hungry, interact with us on social, and um, eat this. Thanks for eating with us. See ya. Bye-bye. Saturday Omaha. Eat this. A Huda Media Production.